You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have a fun show for you guys. We're hopefully, fingers crossed, previewing USC's matchup on Sunday afternoon against Washington State. We'll take stock of where USC sits, kind of at the halfway point of the season. It's kind of weird at this point. We'll get into that, and then we'll have some take it or leave it. And Chris, I believe you have an update on turnover traveler. Some drama ensued, and we'll get into that. Uh, but Shotgun, to start it off, I'm glad you're back. Chris and I were in the life raft by ourselves paddling away at the top of the show last week as you were at basketball. So glad to have you back uh, manning one of the oars, if you will. I came in and saved. You know, I was like the the rescue squad, the Coast Guard coming in to to save the back end of the podcast, right? Doesn't that count for something? No. I mean, technically it was me who was was drowning a little bit. Chris was my witness, but it's okay. (laughs) I think it was more like Castaway, and one of us was Wilson. And one of us was just lost. I think it was Keely who was just lost, and I needed her, and I just couldn't get back to her. But we, we made it through. We made it through. It was a struggle last week, I'll give you that. But we're back. We had the full crew, and I'm excited about it. Like I said, USC is gearing up to play Washington State right now. It looks like things are trending in the right direction, but we did say that on last week's pod, and look where that went. But uh, USC has had five rounds of tests in the last three days and all had come back negative for USC's players. So, so far, so good, guys. What has been your takeaway? It's been a wild week. Shotgun, I guess let's start with you first since we didn't get your thoughts last week on the pod. What, what has been your takeaways about USC's first COVID hiccup, if you will, and, and how they've kind of seemed to come out on the other side of this right now? I mean, it, it's tough going through this situation. It's something that you know we've watched from afar for other schools go through it, and then USC goes through it, and you know, it's tough for the players, especially the week that it happened, it being at Thanksgiving. You know, I feel bad for the guys that, you know, have, have made those sacrifices, not being able to be with their families and whatnot. And yet, you know, they, they don't get rewarded being able to play on Saturday. You know, they basically were in isolation on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to try to be able to play this week and next week as well uh, because, you know, of the positive tests and the, uh, the, the quarantine, the contact tracing. They didn't have enough players at the offensive line position, so they weren't able to play. And they basically had to be isolated for four days in the, during, on a holiday weekend and had to sit out and, you know, while you're watching on social media and, you know, other people are with their families and, and you know, gathering and, and doing things that we don't recommend that you guys do necessarily gathering with other people. But uh, seeing those things on social media and, you know, you have to basically be in your dorm room or your your uh, college room that, you know, without being able to be around people. So it was a tough week for that to happen to them, but it looks like things are going in the right direction. And that's good news for USC. You know, five times they've tested in the last three days as we are uh, recording and, you know, no negatives for any of the players. So hopefully that means that USC ha- has, you know, made their way through this and, and, you know, nipped it in the bud as quickly as possible. And now are able to move on to, to playing football again. Nope positive all negatives is what you meant Shaka. <laughs> no negatives is what you said that's i'll say, I'll say it backwards sorry <laughs> yeah no worries just want to clarify there that's a positive though that there are no uh, no positives sure yeah everything's going in the right direction it was very surreal prepping for a game 
just from our end and then not having to cover a game. I just didn't know what to do with all this free time. It wasn't like a regularly scheduled bye week where we still had stuff and practice to cover. Couldn't cover anything really uh, those last over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, we, we expected probably to have a cancellation, but it was still extremely weird to actually have it happen. And I'll be honest, I was a little bit bummed. I didn't get to see this USC team versus this uh, Colorado team. That was a surprising team in the Pac-12 South. That was going to be a big game. I think coming into the season, if people told you that the Colorado game would be canceled for a COVID reason, most people would not think that'd be a big deal just because Colorado was not expected to be uh, a contender in the Pac-12 South. But that was going to be a battle of the top two teams in the South. So we missed out on that opportunity uh, moving forward. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned the Pac-12 South and what that looks like. Shadi, as the resident knower of things, what does it mean for the Pac-12 <laughs> South division that USC and Colorado didn't actually play each other? Yeah, and we actually got a question about this, too, uh, You know, on Twitter. What happens if USC and Colorado both went out? Does USC still win the South? And that would be the case. Because they did not play each other and because Colorado, basically because they didn't play Arizona State, you know, they're going to have one less division game than USC. They're going to have one less conference game. You know, the conference race, the tiebreaker would be very similar uh, because both teams, if they went out, would be, you know, undefeated. USC would be 5-0. and Colorado would be 4-0. and Because uh, of the tiebreaker rule, it would then end up going down to uh, division games. And because USC will have played one more than them, having played that Arizona State game and Colorado not being able to play that, USC would get the advantage there. So because they don't play, the number, the first tiebreaker is head-to-head, and because that they haven't played head-to-head, it would go to conference uh, division games, and because USC will have played one more, if both teams you know are able to play their games on the way out, then USC gets the, gets the nod there. So they get the advantage just by not playing. I was going to say, how does that make sense given that it's – Colorado's games were canceled, not of their own fault. So they just lose out. And when it comes to the head-to-head matchups, it's 2020. Nothing really makes sense. Let's go ahead and state that. But you know, look to the Big Ten. You know, the Ohio State could not get into the their conference championship game because of you know other teams not having the potential of Michigan not being able to play next weekend um, and them not having the requisite number of games. The Pac-12 did it a little bit differently than the Big Ten. The Big Ten set a certain number that teams had to get to. The Pac-12 said, hey, it's going to be what as long as you have a minimum of one less game than the average. So they, you know, they left a little bit more wiggle room, I think, there by doing that uh, to be eligible for the conference championship game. So USC... If they play this weekend, then they will become eligible for a championship game. You know, the the average right now is around four, four and a half, somewhere in between four and four and a half. So as long as USC gets to that fourth game, then they'll have enough and they'll be eligible. Are you saying the Pac-12 did something better than the Big Ten? Yeah, it happens occasionally. Uh, you know, it's it's rare that the Pac-12 does something better than, you know, than a, a, other conferences in the Power Five. But this one, I'll give them a little credit. Sounds like Larry Scott's on the stock up train. I think that train's already run run into the canyon. Off the tracks, into the canyon. The canyon. Now, as far as USC basically taking a forced buy, Clay Hilton said that they have fresher legs now. Does this COVID buy change how you evaluate this team at all? Because I'll be honest, this kind of took me out of the college football zone a little bit. And it was like, okay, there's three games in, but what do you really make of this? You know, but then talking to Clay Helton today and I asked him about, you know, what is it like preparing for 
uh, Washington State when you know UCLA is right around the corner since you're losing one extra day. And he said, hey, we might have to play three games in 15 days, essentially, if you count in the Pac-12 championship. And it's like, all right, USC can still go to the Pac-12 championship. So put me back into the football mindset. But is it weird to now try and evaluate this team since it seems a little disjointed right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit disjointed just because it's 2020. It's COVID season. We knew this was going to happen and they'd be forced to maybe miss some days, miss some games and kind of make that up on the back end. But I kind of look at it like you just said, it's just a, it's just kind of like a bye week and kind of take it like that. They are going to have to play Sunday, which obviously is a little bit weird, but I don't think it throws um, much of everything into disarray. Just a little bit of that. You lose a day, basically. Um and it is nice just in terms of preparation because this is the first team they've played where they've had tape of them this season, which I think will obviously help them moving forward. Um, but I'm not I, – I don't see it as like a huge uh, huge wrench in the, in, in, the, in the cog of this season, but it is something to evaluate, especially when you're talking about those 15 uh, days and maybe three games. I think when you're looking at this week off, you know, it's, it's similar. Washington State has had two weeks off, so I think there's the potential of rust on both sides. I don't think it helps or hinders either team necessarily. It's just an extra bye week. It's not like, uh, you know, one team was preparing all week for the other team. Oh, wait, Washington State did have an extra amount of time to prepare, but how much did were they able to get on the practice field? Those type things uh, are, are playing into this. USC is going to be hindered more by the fact that they're not able to get their full roster on the practice field this week, you know, with, with some of the quarantine and contact tracing. That's much more of a concern than necessarily just a regular rust or, you know, anything there. It's unfortunate for USC, the timing of this, because you felt like they had taken some strides forward in that Utah game, especially on the defensive side, uh, to come right after that. Uh, that's unfortunate for them. We'll see if they can bounce back and get right back to that, or if there is you know, a little bit of time where it, where it looks like they haven't played in a couple weeks. So uh, you know, they, they had this week off. Hopefully they rested up, because like Chris said, if they take care of business, again, that's a big if with USC, but if they take care of business, they're going to play three games in 13 days. You know, if they play Sunday, they can play next Saturday against UCLA and then potentially play in the Pac-12 championship the Friday after that. So three games in 13 days, that's going to push them a little bit there. Uh, short weeks back to back. So they better have rested up. And, you know, the fact that they may have to practice some of those younger guys, and those younger guys may have to step up and, and play a little bit this week. You know, that might be a positive knowing that, you know, you may have to you know lean on some of them a little bit more with two short weeks back to back. I was going more overall shotgun in the sense that is it hard for you? Because we were thinking about maybe doing midseason stock up, stock down, but it's just kind of hard. How do you evaluate this team three games in when there's kind of a break in the momentum, if you will? It's it's interesting. You you kind of even think about it like a hockey season, you know, when they sometimes have the Olympic break in the middle of it. Um, you know, how do you evaluate? Do you just look at, you know, a, a first half of the season and you look at a second half and you look at them separate, you know, in, in some sports seasons, there's a first half champion and a second half champion and they match up, you know, it, it's, it's interesting in that regard. It's such a short season though, that I, I think you just look at it all together and just factor it in. You don't really, because you only have six games, you don't go, Oh, we got mid season awards or anything going on here with USC when USC is at three games and there's other teams across the country that are at nine. Um, so you, you look at it and you look at USC and say, are they making progress? And then where are they? And then can they make that jump and continue to make progress after this little bit of break? That's the big question for me. 
And the crazy part, too, is basically like, don't look now, but USC is the kind of the sole Pac-12 representative right now. If you look at the college football playoff rankings um, with Oregon losing to Oregon State. Shotgun, I know you have some takes about these <laughs> rankings, but it's just weird. All of a sudden, USC is kind of the lone representative, even though that doesn't really mean much because the pac 12 chance in the CFP is basically over at this point. Yeah, it was it was kind of lo- it was lost when Oregon lost to Oregon State. Um, USC's chances were lost when they struggled against Arizona State and Arizona, especially the Arizona game. That pretty much put the nail in the coffin. It would take some wild, crazy things to happen. Basically, everyone losing, which is not going to happen, for USC to make some big jumps in there. Now they can move their way up. They could finish in the top ten. You know, they could even finish in like the top eight. If they show some big strides going forward, if they come out in this game against Washington State and show they're a dominant team and run away with a game, you know, it's something they haven't done. Washington State showed some positive things. UCLA showed some positive things. If they dominate those two teams, I think that that would look good in the eyes. And then you have a potential of playing an undefeated Washington team or playing an Oregon team that's rebounded and just come come off a top 25 win against Washington. You know, those two teams are going to play or are set to play the week before the Pac-12 championship. So that would be a top 25 matchup right now. And then the potential of USC playing a top 25 team there. So that would give them a chance to boost their uh, resume going into the bowl season. So that that's an opportunity to move forward. The college football playoff rankings are terrible, in my opinion, because of the hypocrisy of it. And it's hard. It's hard this year. I understand how you measure a team with nine wins playing lesser teams in the Sun Belt versus a team with three wins in the Pac-12 or a team with four wins in the Big Ten. You know, a Wisconsin team that's got two wins and, and one loss. They're ahead of USC. You know, USC drops two spots, and they're jumped by four teams after not playing. Ohio State didn't play. Cincinnati didn't play. They didn't drop. Obviously, they have a little bit better resume with a couple more games in there than USC. Okay, I understand that. Well, what, why is Wisconsin higher? They have the same number of games as USC, and they have a loss. Um, their losses to Northwestern, is that what you're really right? Yeah, we lost to Northwestern. We get higher in the rankings because, come on, really? It's Northwestern. It's still Northwestern. Even though Northwestern has looked you know, like a top 25 team this year, second half of the top 25, even though they're ranked higher than that, why are they higher? And why is North Carolina, after losing – for their third game, moving up two spots. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, yeah, we lost to Notre Dame. You lost by two touchdowns. You also have losses to two and six Florida State and four and four Virginia. Don't give me, don't give me the, this crap that they should move up because they lost to a good team. Come on. You got to beat good teams to move up rankings, which is why USC is at 20. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with USC being at 20. I have a problem with other teams moving ahead of them that haven't improved their resumes. So, you know, the college football playoff rankings would be stocked down for me. The Pac-12 overall is stocked down for me because, you know, they're just they're getting no love at all. You can even say the football in the West is down. You know, BYU is getting no love. Now, BYU, great opportunity this weekend. College game day. Going to be there at Coast Carolina because of a cancellation. They're going to get to play that game. So we'll see if the, big, if the West football, if they win that game, gets any love next week. I just want to point out, I hope all the listeners just appreciated what just Shotgun just did. I don't know if Keely's going to edit it, but that man just went what felt like 50 minutes off the dome <laughs> talking about the college football rankings. That was just, I, I just got to give it up a couple claps. That was impressive. 
You don't get to see performances like that every day. That was he brought he had his, his jaw set. He came ready to play. I said I was never going to entertain college football USC talk after the Arizona loss, but I'll make three points. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. And we're moving on. I agree with those three points. And I would also like to point out that I, I made it through that whole rant with Keely giving me about four wrap it up signs. Yeah, don't encourage this behavior, Chris. This is horrible. He just I blows hope... past every signal I give him. It's awful. It, it needed to be said. It needed to be said. The, the only thing I want in life is Shotgun to win an Academy Award and to have him just go on while the, the, the playoff music is just going. No. And he just goes, and he just goes. We need playoff music for him. That's what we need. No. False. Alrighty, I'm circling this back to USC's future matchup against Washington State. And to do so, I'm going to do it with a Twitter question we got from Jesus, who says, how does USC stop Jaden Delora? What challenge does he bring for this USC defense? Well, he's one of those QBs that USC has struggled with in, in the past. He's a dynamic uh, playmaker, he can make plays with his legs. You know, if you recall, he was a guy USC offered out of uh, high school last year. He was one of those last-minute hail mary QB offers when they were desperately trying to get someone in the 2020 class. USC probably would have been pretty happy if they were able to pull him in, considering the way he's been playing so far with Washington State. A, I would say, front runner for that Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, freshman Offensive Player of the Year, uh, with that team. But yeah, it's, it's going to come down to keeping him in the pocket. Uh, not letting him get out, make plays with his legs, keep the pl- keep the play going, extending uh, plays, and you know building confidence for this offense. Yeah, Jaden Delora, you know another guy USC went after, like Chris said, and you give credit to USC's quarterback recruiting. Those guys that they've thrown those last minute offers after after have been pretty good. You know, another one of those guys was Dylan Gabriel at UCF, and he's been you know crushing it for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, when USC goes after a guy especially late when they see that senior tape, a guy like Jackson Dart in Utah, you know, that they've gone after later in the process. You know, those guys have turned out to be pretty good uh, players. So we'll see if USC can pull in Jackson Dart before signing day with two other guys already committed, Miller Moss and Jake Garcia. But getting back to the question of Jaden Delora, you know, yes, you got to keep him in, try to keep him in the pocket. But I think the biggest question for me and the biggest kind of matchup in this game is going to be Todd Orlando's pressures against Delora. Because there's two ways to attack a, a young quarterback is to sit everyone back and force them to beat you underneath and, you know, tr- force them to try to throw in his own coverage. You know, what BYU did against Keaton Slovis, what they did against Matt Fink, who, you know, in his first road start. Um, or you attack them and try to get them, uh, you know, speed them up and, and force them to make quick decisions um, and, you know, quicker pace than they were at high school. And that's what Todd Orlando is going to do. That's what he's known to do. That's his style of defense. So can they confuse him? It's not just about bringing pressure, but it's bringing pressure where Delora doesn't know where to look for it at. You know, he doesn't know where to look for that hole that's being vacated. Because the biggest thing when someone brings pressure is to try to throw right behind where they just vacated their, you know, create a soft spot by bringing an extra defender. So if you can bring it from different directions, he doesn't know exactly where it's coming from. That makes it harder to immediately assess it and attack it. So USC, they bring pressures from all different places. They blitz pretty much everyone on their defense so far this season. So can they confuse Jane Delora and keep him, you know, can they cause some hesitancy in him as he's trying to make his reads? Uh, if they can, then I think that they, you know, that they'll win this game pretty easily. Uh, but that's going to be the key thing, you know. And then it, after you 
create that pressure is then staying in those pass lanes to to keep him from getting out and creating the extra extra um, opportunities for his team. Why do you think USC has struggled with quarterbacks who, I wouldn't even say mobile, just quarterbacks that can somehow find a way outside the pocket? Because Grant Gunnell wasn't this, run, like, Clay Helton made a point to be like, he's no Jaden Daniels. And then suddenly in the second half, they had to make a Raymond Scott a spy. And I know some USC fans are like, oh, it's Clancy Pendergrass defense 2.0. But why do you think this has been a theme we've seen with these this type of USC personnel, if you will? I think one is you have a new defense. So guys are, are trying to show out a little bit more for new defensive staff. I think they're over anxious after a little bit after, you know, 11 months off or whatever it is that they you know weren't able to play. So I think they were trying to attack and do a little bit too much, uh, a little bit in those first couple day, games. I think they did a lot better against Utah of staying in their lanes. You know, they gave up the one big third down conversion uh, quarterback scramble. But other than that, they were, you know, they stayed in their lanes and were able to make the plays uh, to get off the field on third downs. And give credit to Todd Orlando for making the adjustments the last two weeks. You know, they have not given up a third down conversion in the second half of the last two weeks. So that's making the adjustments when needed and, and being able to to find ways to get the opponent off the field um, after they, you know, the first game against Arizona State, Jaden Daniels was able to pick up several of those in the first half. Grant Gannell was able to pick some up, but not in the second half and not Utah in the second half either. In the broader sense, how would you compare this Wazoo offense in relation to the Mike Leach offenses we've seen in the past couple of years? When you look at it, the run and shoot style and the air raid, they're very similar. You know, there's a lot of similarities of what they want to do. They want to be able to attack horizontally and vertically. They want to be able to to use the entire field. They want to spread you out as much as possible. The run and shoot, you know, a lot of uh, short passes. Um, you know, they're going to run the ball more than a Mike Leach style. So Mike Leach is the purest of pure air raids. The, the running back is going to catch the ball more than he's probably going to run it. He's more about dividing up equal amount of touches between the five eligible receivers. Now, does that touch come as a carry? Does that come as a swing pass? He doesn't care. He just wants to divide them up pretty equally. The run and shoot, they're going to run the ball a little bit more. You've seen that with Deion McIntosh the first couple games. He's running for over 100 yards. Um, but they've got two receivers that are in the top uh, four of the Pac-12 as well. So they're going to spread the ball around as, at the same amount, but it's going to be in a different kind of form. Um, you know, they're they're running the ball instead of throwing swing passes all the time, and you know they're they're trying to attack with four wide personnel almost all the time. You know, that's the difference. One of the big differences from Nick Rolovich is he's really got that that ten personnel uh, where you have one running back, no tight ends, four receivers. The the air raid oftentimes you use that tight end. You're using you know Graham Harrell prefers to have a tight end on the field and a running back at all times. He wants to be three wide, whereas Rolovich's style is they're going to be in two-by-two or three-by-one wide receiver sets, and they're going to roll with their wide receivers and try to get the ball in those playmakers' hands, get them, get, it, get the ball in space, and let them try to make some plays. And I think a big X factor for Washington State this week is that the possibility of getting Max Borgie, I think I'm saying that right, Max Borgie back, he's been dealing with a back issue this year, returned to practice this week. Obviously, he's a special playmaker when the ball is in his hands. I think I believe he caught like 86 passes uh, last year or something like that. Um, so that's a, another dynamic weapon USC might have to worry about. We don't know exactly if he's going to play. The fact that he's back practicing is a good sign. Uh, I believe Washington State Twitter was leaning towards him possibly not playing, but we'll see come Sunday. He is a huge addition to them. Now, I don't know exactly how he's going to fit in Nick Rolovich's offense without seeing him in it yet, but he is one, he's probably the most underrated athlete, maybe in the nation. 
you know, he is such a dynamic player. You just get the ball and he makes guys miss in space, get the ball to him in different ways. He can do different things and catch the ball in the backfield. You can do a lot of different things with him. He's kind of Christian McCaffrey light, I would say. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't know if he's as physical between the tackles as McCaffrey um, and can be as high of a draft pick as McCaffrey and he's not as big, but he has a lot of those same characteristics of how you can use him in so many different ways as a returner, as you know, a receiver, or as, you can put him in the slot, you can do different things with him. He's just a unique athlete to have on the field. And nobody talks about him because he, you know, he played in Mike Leach's system and oh, they always get, you know, yards and receptions. Well, I, I think people will see him being in a different system. You know, they might see, oh, this guy actually can play. Uh, if he was playing for Oregon rather than Washington State, people would be talking about him all over the country. I almost made the Christian McCaffrey drop as well, but I didn't want to get booed out of here. I'm glad my instincts were right if Shotgun said it. <laughs> to circle back to Jaden Delora for two seconds, because I forgot to say this when you guys were talking about him, did you catch today uh, or Thursday in, in Clay Helton's press conference how he said uh, that kid's going to be a pain in the butt in this conference for the next couple of years? <laughs> it was a, a little quick quip from Helton. Yeah, that was that was the second time this week that Helton had, had mentioned that uh, Washington State was going to be a pain in the butt because he said Nick Rolovich he expects to be a pain in the butt for for the Pac-12 going forward. He thought that was a really good hire by them, especially with the personnel they already had um, uh, on the roster to to be able to come in and be a similar but not the same type of system. And then you know Delora he thinks is a a guy that they recruited and thinks he's going to be really good and he speaks really highly of him. He says he's a winner which Clay Helton said about, I think, every quarterback so far now. You've taken real offense to that, Chuck, and you have to say yeah, it every Everyone time. can't be a winner. Just because you earn a starting spot doesn't make you a winner. Because he also said, well, Sam Darnold's a winner. We saw that you know, from what he did at uh, San Clemente and how they were terrible his junior year, his senior year. They were really good with him. Well, how far does that stretch? You know, you know, How far does that go? Does it go to the Jets? Because he's not winning with the Jets. He said Keaton Slovis is a winner. Well, Keaton Slovis didn't win in high school. Now, is it just about elevating your team? Then, yes, I think you would say that. And, you know, I, I think you could make that claim about um, you, Delora and Darnold and Slovis and Neuer from Colorado. I think they are elevating their teams. But then I think you need a different terminology than just being a winner because, you know, winners win. And that's, you know, in the W column. And there's times when some of those guys he's mentioned have not won. Clay Helton being hyperbolic? What? I'm just saying, Keeley knows this. Semantics are important. You got to <laughs> choose the right words. He says it to me all the time, and it's annoying. Shotgun, am I a winner? I mean, you've managed to get on this podcast, so you're doing something right. Ooh. That's more like a weasel. I weasel hey, my way on. Weasel, winner. Those are similar words, right? It's a, it's a Those w. Six letters with starts with a W. See, he came up with that six letters right on the spot. I would have had to take an extra two seconds to make sure that was correct. Okay, Chris, if you keep piping up shotgun, I'm going to have to take you off this podcast. We have a strict <laughs> damage his ego rule here on the podcast. Look, I felt like I was rough on shotgun last week. We set him up in that sting. I just want to pay back. Uh, no. He's he's glowing this week. I just want to I just want to hype him he up said, He said stock neutral. It's Did like, not. Oh my gosh, Chris, you're no help at all. <laughs> I play both sides of the fence. It's horrible. <laughs> this, this week I'm on a shotgun side. We're at a barbecue. I'm on his side of the fence. Horrible. I hate it. Now, Chris, this is something I asked Shotgun and Ryan on Tunnel Vision, so I'm going to ask you. A, oh, week, no. <laughs> a week off for Keaton 
Does that help him or hurt him if it's a mental thing that has been happening with him this season? I think it would be a helpful thing uh, just because you have more time to kind of slow down, reevaluate. But at the same time, as I was about to say, think about it a little more, get your mind right. But also it could hurt you because you're thinking about it more and then it just leads to more. Uh, it's a slippery slope with that when you have more time to think about it. But I would lean towards him being able to kind of reset, watch the tape of the first three weeks, get a little bit more confidence uh, with the week off. So I would probably be in the category of, I think it can help him. My quick take would be that because of the week that it was, that it was a Thanksgiving weekend and a holiday weekend, and you know, there's just other stuff going on around the program with the testing and all that stuff, uh, that the, he's not constantly thinking about his own game. Uh, I think that, that it creates that separation to give you that mental break. So um, I, I think that I agree with Chris that I think it's a, a positive if that is indeed what is ailing him. Now, sources say that Washington State will be trying to play defense this season. What are you guys <laughs> expecting <laughs> Keaton Slovis and USC's offensive uh, skill players to face on Sunday? They did try to play defense before, just Mike Leach didn't care if they did or not. Okay, okay. Maybe that's the difference there. <laughs> no, I, I think they got some some quality players there. Um, you, you know, they're, they're doing some different things with their safeties and whatnot, using them as hybrid guys and... Uh, Jihad Woods in the middle is a, a veteran guy. They've got some veterans, but USC should be able to put up yards and put up points against this defense. Uh, they just don't have the quality of depth there. And again, we expect them to be back healthy, but we'll see where they are. You know, they you know Rolovich said earlier this week they expect to travel 74 players, which is you know the the limit. But that doesn't mean that they're all 74 scholarship guys. So we'll see who's on the field with them if everyone's out of quarantine and you know positive tests and contact tracing and all that stuff for them. Uh, and the same thing with USC, you know, there's they on paper, they should be able to put up yards and points against them, but who's going to be playing for that offensive line? How in sync is the offensive line for USC and the offense, you know, going up against uh, a Washington state team that they don't get to prep for the same way. Clay Helton said this week that, you know, that they're, uh, they wouldn't be able to have a regular scout team periods and stuff. They would have to use their, you know, first and second string guys to do scout team work instead of having walk-ons in the third string and freshmen and young guys that they would normally would because of the numbers, you know, the number issues with some guys still coming back. Now they did get the, he did say earlier today, they got their first players back um, from the positive testing and stuff yesterday. So the first guys that were in quarantine or tested positive were coming back yesterday. So that means they're starting to work their way back in and they've got a couple of days of practice left before the game. So, um, but, so the quicker they get guys back, the better, but they won't get everyone back before Sunday. So trying to figure out how they can get everyone on the same page is going to be the big question. And one guy I am excited to kind of see on uh, Washington State's defensive side is the former USC commit Jalen Watson, the JUCO cornerback. Uh, I know Shotgun was kind of an intriguing fan of him when we saw him at practice. Real long guy. He was the JUCO All-American. Apparently he's, you know, having a pretty good season over there in, in, the, in the, the time he's gotten so far this season. But coming back to L.A., coming back to his former uh, uh, committed team, so I'm excited to see what a long corner can do against, uh, you know, these talented USC wide receivers. But like you said, on paper, USC has all the talent uh, advantage over these guys, so they should be able to move the ball. Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. Uh, you know, I am intrigued to see what Jalen Watson can do. I mean, he's a 6'3", 
cornerback. Uh, so we'll see, you know, how he matches up uh, going up against a guy like a Brew McCoy or going up against Tyler Vons or Drake London, depending on where they try to put him. Um, so he, he's an interesting player. I, I was intrigued by what he could do for USC. Unfortunately, it didn't work out there for them with, with uh, some, some grades and different things there, getting his transcripts passed along. So he ends up at Washington State after his, uh, an extra semester, I believe it was, at, at JUCO. So uh, now we'll see how USC fares against him. And he's a legitimate 6'3", it looks like. Yeah, he's he's faced nine passes so far this season and given up 45 yards uh, receiving. So not that much. Um, he's given up some receptions, but, you know, pretty short yardage area stuff. And they have the former Washington commit, Aiden Hector, over there, who's kind of like a bounce back, who's also playing big minutes for them. So some talent in the secondary. Yeah, and Hector obviously is a USC legacy and a guy that USC recruited early on, but kind of... Uh, faded away from a little bit, you know, son of Zuri Hector as well. So he has an opportunity. He's getting that early playing time and making the most of it. He's created some turnovers for him. Now, I know you guys aren't sounding on the whole too high about this Washington State defense, but do you grade this on a curve considering there might be some issues with USC's offensive line? I know Clay Hilton said that they're kind of scaling things back as to not overwhelm some of the younger players that might have to get significant playing time. How how much does that cancel out the advantage that USC may have or would have normally? I'm not putting it on the curve just because Graham Harrell and Hilton have been hyping up these backup offensive linemen since the offseason. So put your money where your mouth is. I expect these guys to come out there and world beat. Beat those worlds. Yeah, but I'm not listening to that hype. I don't believe that they're going to be able to step in and just dominate um, like some people wanted to make it sound like during training camp. I I think the important thing to note is those two players that Chris brought up, Jalen Watson, Aiden Hector, getting immediate playing time because there's not much depth and not much talent uh, on that Washington State defense as a whole. Um, So the fact that you know, a true freshman is stepping in and playing immediately and getting a lot of playing time. A Juco guy steps in immediately and playing a lot of time. They have a couple of older guys like Woods, but, you know, at, on the whole, they just don't have a lot of talented depth. But to give you a serious answer, it just depends for me who's out on that offensive line or who was didn't get a lot of practice time. Like if it's Elijah Vera Tucker and maybe you have to go with Casey Collier, well, then pack it up. We can go home. That game's over. It's done. But if it's an interior guy, maybe we get to see a little Cortland Ford or maybe a little Justin Dietrich inside a guard. Well, now I'm a little bit more intrigued. But yeah, you can't you can't lose your let your your first round left tackle. That's going to change the whole out, outcome. I think they can get by with an interior, maybe on a right tackle of Jalen McKenzie at center. You know you have Dietrich there to fill in wherever they might have to plug in holes, but it can't be left tackle. Anyone but left tackle. And we'll, it'll be interesting to see how Washington State, once they see if USC is missing any players, you know how they try to attack certain areas, or if USC is back, if they just try, you know how the Washington State front just tries to attack in general, considering USC hasn't had the ability to practice together, and maybe the communication may be a little off, to, you know, early in the game, especially. In that sense, how do you guys see this one going? I know Ryan. Ryan like flirted with the idea of an upset, upset, and then was like, "No, it's not going to be an upset." What What are y'all predicting on Sunday afternoon? How fun! It's like a little afternoon soiree. I don't know. That's not a soiree, but you know what I mean. I prefer Sunday ice cream social. Oh, uh, fun! So what? USC is a what fourteen point favorite in this one, which seems 
I wouldn't say upset alert, but I think it's going to be a closer game than people are anticipating just because I think that offense is really good. I think they'll give USC problems in the first half. I think Orlando will make those adjustments and USC can kind of pull away. But it's all going to depend on how this offense is moving with Keaton Slovis. If if we get a little bit closer to Keaton of last year, late last season, I think this is going to be a little bit of a pull away and run, run away with it at the second half. But if that offense is still kind of out of sync, deep passes aren't uh, playing well, I think it's going to be a little bit closer uh, than what uh, probably people are thinking. I mean, it, it, what is USC's record as a double-digit favorite um, under Clay Helton? It's not you – know, covering the spread is not good. Um, so they've even had some out, outright losses in those. I think that USC will win this game. I don't think they'll cover – I, I, I feel like it'll be around an eight-point game, but I feel like it won't feel that close. I feel like there's a ba- maybe even a back-end cover coming uh, from Washington State, late field goal, late touchdown, just to, to get inside that that uh, spread. But I, I think the USC should win this game. They should win it pretty handily and feel comfortable winning it, even though and they'll you know I, I said the score would be 35-27. That's right around where USC's been scoring, so – you know, the game will play out. USC will score 35 points, and then fans will be like, they didn't do this well. They still didn't do this well. And Clay Helton afterwards will say, oh, we feel like we could have put up 40 or 50. We're disappointed. Um, you know, that we our drives were stopping and whatnot. And it'll just be kind of a redux, but, the, you know, they'll take care of business and get the win. I hate how accurate that sounded. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I just know that's going to happen. It's going to be like, yeah, it was a win. It wasn't very satisfying. They left points on the board. Okay, move on to UCLA. What's happening next? <laughs> it's not. It's just going to be what this season has been so far. You know, just kind of shrug, add it to the W column, continue. And on. now, and now that you've said that, we're going to get USC. I mean, we're going to get Washington State, UCLA from last year. Dramatic comeback. You know, each team scores sixty something points. See, but dramatic comeback would still fit into USC's twenty twenty. So. Yeah, but if it's 65-63 like that game was last year, I think. Yeah, no, that was a basketball game. That was not good. (laughs) Hopefully it's not that. Just jumping into Twitter questions, because Shotgun sent out a tweet during the podcast for Twitter questions. JP says, chances that Elijah Vera Tucker and Marlon Tuipelotu opt out for the remainder of the season? Are these quick takes, or are we doing... Yeah, let's do quick takes. I don't think there's a high chance i mean the guys you're seeing opt out, opting out are with guys with losing teams or teams that are just like limping towards the end usc is in position to win the pac-12 title i think these guys are staying in they're making money by how well they're the tape that they're putting up so i don't think there's a high chance that'll happen this is an idea that i kind of had from before when before the season was even started is that when they moved the schedule back and said hey you're gonna play this it, when any of the players were opting out i'm like why not Give it a go, and then, you know, after a few games, if you can show what you think you're, you're capable of, that extra tape is so valuable. A guy like Jay Tefele could have done something similar here. Uh, just play a couple games and see how the situation plays out. I, I thought that would be an interesting, you know, way to go about it. You're seeing, like Chris said, the, the guys that are opting out right now are guys that are on losing teams or something is happening in, inside the organization uh, that they've decided they don't want to be a part of it anymore. They're just going to go ahead and focus on – on their NFL draft stuff, which 
USC's two guys, USC's still in position to win that Pac-12 championship. They're they're moving towards that, and I think those guys will stick around. Both of them, just their the character that they are, that's something that both of them have said that they want to do, and that's what they're striving for. So I wouldn't expect either one of them to opt out. But it is something that you know, I caught in the back of my mind a little bit last week when you know the game was canceled. Like ah. Uh, Maybe if you've shown enough, like Elijah Vera Tucker and Marlon Tupelotu both have done so far the first three games, maybe now's the time where you just go, this virus and stuff is too much. I just want to focus on me and getting ready for the draft next year. Um, so it's, it's something I thought about. So I thought it was a very good question, but I don't think it's going to happen. Believe it or not, that was a quick take, folks. <laughs> you encourage this. This is your doing. <laughs> Don't 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 stop me from showing showing my love to Shadi. I will. I can and I will. When we do the Helium Boys podcast, I let them go on and on. I go <laughs> snuggle up with a book and just let them go. Anyway, moving on, we had a tweet from Vegas Werner Werner. Who does USC match up best against in a potential Pac-12 final? Oregon or UW? I would listen. I just think from uh, I guess the question is for field matchups. But I think USC would want to face Oregon uh, because of the recruiting impact it would play. You want to go up against the team that schooled you last year on the recruiting trail, that's taken all your talent. You want to go out and play those guys. I know Washington has done the same thing to them, and that would also be a pretty big win for the recruiting the world of the Pac-12, but I think you need to you need to slay Oregon. You need to take them down. And it would be a huge recruiting win for them to do it in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, so I'm going to go with Oregon with that one. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great reason why you would want to face Oregon. And because there's some little bit of animosity there between the staffs and the players and whatnot. Um, it, it's hard to say which one is a better fit. I think Washington's defense is playing much better. So I, I think that, you know, Oregon becomes a better fit for USC because their offense hasn't gotten fully going. But I think that uh, Oregon has a better chance of getting better as the season progresses. So it's an interesting dilemma, which you would, which team you would want to face necessarily. I think you would, you would want to take Washington because you would say, oh, they'll be undefeated at that time. So for the grand scheme of the season and national reputation, I think you want Washington to be able to beat Oregon and then play them because they would be ranked higher uh, as an undefeated team. So it would look better for your resume. But like you said, Chris, with uh, with the way that recruiting has gone the last couple of years, I think USC would, would much rather face Oregon and beat them. That would be the statement win. Now, this has the potential to be a full-on ramble answer, so shocking I'm putting you on notice. Uh, Therese sent us a tweet that said, What's with the flurry of decommitment? Seems to be happening across the board, not just USC. I mean, I'll go real quick, and then Chris can ramble if you want. Uh, that it's 2020, and because it's been a year since players have been able to do official visits, so it's I think it's more difficult to assess players because the players are not playing. And I think it's been more difficult for players to assess colleges and how how much they enjoy the college and how much the coaching staff really likes them without you know face to face interaction. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Which, like USC's recent decommit, decommit Josh Moore has never visited USC, never got on campus, probably did Zoom calls, but other than that, he just committed to a school he'd never been to. 
But again, remember, look at what month it is. It's December. We have the early signing period coming up. So now the class is shifting and shuffling a little bit because you got to get your your spots ready for those kids that you got to save the space for kids that you think you can sign after that. You know, USC still has some big fish out there. Sierra Wright, Loyola, Loyola cornerback. Corey Foreman, obviously, the major guy still on the board. He's not signing until January, I believe. And then uh, uh, I'm blanking. Uh, Rajon Davis, uh, LSU commit, linebacker, modern day. He's still considering USC despite the commitment. So you got some big fish out there. You need to ha- hold some spots. So you're going to see a lot of shifting with classes all over the country with the early signing period uh, like three weeks away. Yeah, you also have JT2 and Moloa up in Washington as another big fish that USC would love to get in. Corey Foreman uh, told Greg Biggins this week that he's actually going to sign during the early signing period, not announce until January. So uh, that could be it's going to be interesting how this dynamic plays out of who does sign during the early signing period, because we've seen pretty much. You know, 90, 95 percent of the top players have signed early, but it may be different this year just because of the, of the um, you know, the restrictions on where teams have been able, or where players have been able to visit and, you know, seeing what a, a team is able to do, who's leaving. You know, normally you have a much better idea if you're a freshman coming in of who's leaving. Whereas now, with everyone getting an extra year of eligibility, you don't necessarily know. Some seniors may just want to move on and move move on in their career to you know something else. Others may want to hang around for another year. We'll see. You know, there's a lot of unknowns uh, differently than than there are uh, normal season. And if fans recall what Corey is doing, or signing during the early signing period, keeping it a secret, and then announcing on January, that's the same play uh, Chris Steele. Uh, Brew McCoy and Gary Bryant did two years ago at uh, the All-American game. So that was a fun thing to cover. Yeah, I think we even saw Talano Hufunga, I think, was one of the first ones to do that, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw the the emoji pop up um, from Eric Ziskin, former USC staff member. And it was like, oh, there's another one. Does that mean it's Talanoa? Does that not mean it's Talanoa? And he wasn't announcing until January. So kept everyone guessing a little bit. We need a, We need a name for that. You know, the, the cloaked signing, maybe? I don't know. Or we're we just going to call it a hofunga. A hofunga. Ooh, I like that, too. One of the first to do it. Okay, we have one more tweet, and that's from Chris. Not you, Chris. It's a different Chris. And he says, question, would you prefer a white elephant gift or a secret Santa gift? Keep up the great work. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. This is a great take-it-or-leave-it based question, so I appreciate that a Chris is asking this, and it's a perfect segue into take-it-or-leave-it. But white, white Elephant or Secret Santa, I think I've done both. I think I did a White Elephant in middle school. I don't remember what the outcome is. But I would say I prefer Secret Santa because the person – I would prefer to do a Secret Santa, not necessarily receive that gift. I like thinking about the person and kind of figuring out what would they would like. One time I did get an expired Blockbuster uh, gift card so it does have its drawbacks especially if you get a lazy person uh, but I'm going to go with uh, Secret Santa and not White Elephant sorry Chris that's the only thing I had around last year look man I don't even know how you got one yeah if it was last year that's a nice score that's like a relic that's retro yeah uh, I, I'm going White Elephant I, I think that it, it's fun I like I like the White Elephant concept of being able to Give a gift uh, and then steal a gift away. The whole concept there. Um, you know, my family would do an alcohol swap 
with White Elephant where you can steal things away, which makes it fun because everyone gets alcohol, so it's all fun and games then. Um, but but the key to any good White Elephant gift is bring something that you want. You know, don't bring something you think someone's going to want. Just bring something you want so then you can fall back on just uh, grabbing your own gift. How did you make this question a teaching moment? <laughs> Everything... every, every moment's a teaching moment. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> with you. Because shotgun's the best. <laughs> especially especially if the white elephant is a is a wrapped white elephant which makes it a lot more complicated yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no see i agree with you sort of shotgun but i'm gonna go with the chris route secret santa because then you can think about someone plan that and then you get, get a gift that isn't going to be stolen from you and you don't have to go through that heartbreak so secret santa all the way see i don't i don't like secret santa because i i'm not i'm very difficult to buy for because my family tells me because if I want something I just go get it. I don't I don't wait around to see if someone else is going to buy it for me. I'm I'm 100% just buying you a, a Lids gift card. <laughs> that always works. See, see, you easy. don't know what to get someone. Gift cards are usually the way to go. But he does have his hat size in his bio, so it's kind of really easy for you, Chris. Oh, then I get him one with my face on it. I mean, you actually should. That would be great. Just saying. And now he just did a visual bit. There you and go, on Chris. The, on the back, it's got to have hashtag family feud pot. Yeah. Oh. I went so far without the visual, the visual bit. bit. I'm proud I... of you. You went pretty far. On that note, Chris, I'll I'll toss it over to you. Take it or leave it. Take it away. Yeah, I was so disappointed. Actually, it wasn't disappointed because I didn't have to do another corporate take it or leave it. But <laughs> here we are. Uh, apparently, I messed, I messed up. Our presenting sponsor two weeks ago, it had to get cut, so I apologize to Waffle House, <laughs> our presenting sponsor. We're probably banned from all Waffle Houses no, on the West we Coast. No, because we cut it out. <laughs> yeah, it was cut out because I messed up the read. I just want to say I apologize. Okay, to our fake sponsor. <laughs> yes, continue. Yes. Uh, thank you to this week's sponsor, Cheese Nips. Look, we realize our product is widely inferior to Cheez-Its, but please give us another chance. You're already reaching for the box. Just reach slightly to the right. Take a chance on cheese nips this holiday season and leave behind cheese-based snack stereotypes. Nice nips, bro. Thanks. They're cheese. Chris, when do you think about these things? Did I did I break it? It meaning shotgun. When shotgun recovers from his. Laughing fit. We move on to our USC take it or leave it. Before we get into the fun stuff. Cheers. Marlon Tuipolotu is the front runner for the defensive player of the year. National? Pac-12 or USC or yeah, National? Pac-12. Okay, of, course, like... of course USC, he's the front runner, but Pac-12. I'm going to say take it because I haven't watched enough of the rest of the Pac-12 yet. And I know Shotgun's going to come after me and say something good that will back up what I'm saying. So there you go. Shotgun has every defensive player's PFF grade right on hand. He's And he's going to read it off his head, top of his head, Yeah. right now. It, uh, the problem is, Marlon Tuipolotu is playing great. The problem is, there's a guy in Washington, Zion Tuipoloa Fatui, who has seven sacks, one fumble recovery and three fumbles forced along with 13 tackles in three games. So it's going to be hard for anyone to surpass him already. If he just sits on those stats the rest of the season. I mean, those are outstanding numbers 
right there for for ZTF, as they call him up in, uh, in Seattle. Um, so Mario Peloto is playing really well. He's going to have to create some more turnovers before he can, you know, can reel in that, uh, reel in ZTF and the stats that he's already put up. Wow, that really blew up in Keeley's face, and I enjoyed that. Okay. I usually either have to go before or after, and this is one of those where I should have just waited, let him look up the stats, and been like, yep, completely agree, thought that as well. <laughs> but if Marlon does win, if they win the Pac-12, you're going to look really good, Keeley. Yeah, because everyone will remember that 20 seconds I said in this podcast. What, what's going to be interesting with any kind of awards this season, whether it be national or conference awards, is how number of games plays in, you know, even at the conference level, you know, Arizona state so far, they played one game. If they get one more game in, how many awards can you actually win? If you, you play two games, even if you ball out and have three interceptions in one game and a couple of fumbles, uh, you recovered in another game. Do you, you get the benefit of the doubt that you would have produced that in a couple more games or, or not? It's, it's hard to say. Moving on a little, uh, news this week was that Chase McGrath entering the transfer portal. So Parker Lewis, officially the man moving forward. Uh, the freshman, Lewis, is on his way to, at minimum, a second-team All-Pac-12 selection. I'm going to take it. You know, I think that he's putting up solid numbers so far. Um, and as long as he keeps making field goals, then I, I think that he's going to be up there because USC should continue to score points. And or their sh- offense has struggled in the red zone. So I was going to say, or struggle in the red zone. I said points. I didn't say touchdowns. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'll have to go with shotgun on that one. This is one where it's nice going behind him again. <laughs> the Washington State and Arizona State's kickers, Blake Mazza and Christian Zendayas, are both averaging two field goals made per game and have not missed one. However, they haven't played many games. So we'll see how that factors in, just like I just said. Uh, moving on. CBS dropped a new first-round mock draft uh, yesterday. AVT, the number 11 overall selection. Are you, based on this trajectory, are you... AVT will be a top 10 pick when it's all said and done. You laughed at me when I said he would be drafted higher than Austin Jackson. I might take it or leave it. It's a couple weeks ago. Where do you stand now? You're a thought leader, Chris Sharina. <laughs> What do you mean by where I stand now? Is this reevaluating your initial question, or no, should I, I still I'm laugh at you? Because question, I'll always ABT take will that. Will be a top ten pick. You're taking it. <sighs> no, I was taking laughing at you. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, I, that's a given. That's a take it or take it. Yeah, exactly. I actually will take it. He is catching people's eyes, and by people I mean scouts. The scout tweets were were popping after Utah, so I'll I'll take it on that reason alone. I'm going to leave it just because uh, I, I think that there's going to be three quarterbacks potentially taken in the top 10. Um, so it's just the, the number game in there. I'm going to take it that I think he might be 11 to 20. And coincidentally, he was taken by the Miami Dolphins. So that would reunite him with Austin Jackson, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, look at that. And the thing uh, is that Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, obviously tackles are valued more than interior players, even though interior players can go pretty high in the draft. You're not getting, you know, guards aren't being selected number one overall, whereas tackles still are. So he's going to get knocked just a little bit because of that, too, even if he is the top interior guy in the draft. This one is mainly for shotgun. So, Keely, you can sit this one out if you want. It's a USC basketball question. 
just because we're in the midseason of or getting started with basketball, Evan Mobley gives this team a higher ceiling than last year with Big O. I'm going to take it. I think this team has a higher ceiling. I don't know if the, I would necessarily say Evan Mobley gives them one versus Anyeka. That's the gonna question. Take it. That's, you're modifying what the actual question is. I'm taking yeah. it but changing the premise of the question. Then you're leaving it. No, he said he said the team has a higher ceiling. He oh, said it's because of Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley is so skilled. He's such a unique <laughs> big man. Uh, it's just a different type of dynamic with him and Big O. But I think the the parts around him, the length that USC has on the defensive end is is you know can be very very good this year. So I think the ceiling's a little bit higher because Big O is is, is great. And he's going to contribute on both ends of the court and, and be a playmaker with his dunks and stuff. But Evan Mobley is a game changer and gives him a higher ceiling because he's a guy that you can throw the ball to and he can make shots over anyone. So he can take over a game potentially on the offensive end, which Big O couldn't necessarily do. Uh, my last USC one is kind of a fun one. Uh, Aaron Cromahook will finish equal or with more touchdowns than Amon Ross St. Brown in the regular season. I'm taking it. He's got a 2-0 advantage. Wait, hold up. This is redemption time. Hello. Y'all have flamed me for having Eric Cromenhook on Most Important. I had him as 30, okay? And I get so much grief for it. And look at that. Look at where this question has taken us. And for the record, I will continue to flame you. Uh, yeah, but hello. <laughs> That's, come on. Are you taking it or leaving it, Keely? Just answer the question. Stop trying to change the topic. Give me a second. I'm looking up USC's receiving stats. She's looking up the stats. It's I'm on has zero touchdowns. Cromano wow. gets two. Wow. That's crazy. I had not recognized that. That's a good good job, Chrissy T. I just don't want to count out Almond Ross St. Brown, so I'm just, I have to leave it. I have to leave it. Right, he could go for a three tuggies this Yeah, week, yeah. He could literally do anything, and I'd be like, yep, that sounds right. And then Cromano could go for four. It'd be crazy. Well, hold on. Okay. I'm going to take it because Eric Cromanhook has a 2-0 advantage and because all USC's passing touchdowns, for the most part, have been in the middle of the field and Amon Ross St. Brown is playing on the outside. So unless USC goes with more four wide receiver sets and they push Amon Ross St. Brown inside with Brew McCoy outside, then he's not getting those interior chances. That's where Keaton Slovis is throwing all his touchdown passes right now, Drake London, uh, even the one that Tyler Vaughn's over the middle, the, the one exception off the top of my head is the the batted ball touchdown to Brew McCoy. So everything's going over the middle, and that's where USC's finding their success in the red zone. Okay. In that sense, can I jump in for two seconds, Chris? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Taking the baton back. Does that mean this is kind of a wasted opportunity for Almond Ross St. Brown since he's not in the slot more? Is he? Are we? Are we missing more flashy Amon Ross St. Brown plays that we've come to know just because he's on the outside now? I think so, but I think we talked about it on this podcast two weeks ago or something. But scouts want to see him play outside, so I think he's getting that tape. It's not leading to the production that he would have as a slot, but I think he's still helping his case by showing he can play outside. If that makes sense. And there's also the factor, the Keaton Slovis factor. If Slovis gets back to where he was last year, then then you can do a little bit more with the offense, and I think he has more confidence to fit some of those tight windows on the outside. He throws that deep ball a little bit better instead of throwing up a, a couple of wobblers that he's thrown to on Ross St. Brown on the outside where there's been opportunities for him to make big plays as well. Okay, that wraps up 
the USC ones. Let's get into the fun ones. Wrap okay, up the corporate ones. Yeah. Thank you, Cheese Nips, for sponsoring <laughs> the USC. Take it or leave it. I will continue to buy cheese its but thank you for the sponsorship. <laughs> Uh, Keely, this one is unique because I know both of us are leaving this one. This one is for Shotgun only. He mentioned it this week, and I just know it needed to be mentioned on the pod. So, Shotgun, you are, I know you're taking it, corn on pizza. What the heck? (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) Yes, I'm taking corn on pizza in, in high school. In high school setting, primarily, when you get the rectangle pizza, you know, almost every time there was there was corn that came the same day, and I would put it on top because the pizza that you get in high school is not great, so it needs some extra toppings. That's disgusting. No, it's not. You never tried it. How do you even know? Are it you, gives an extra you, crunch. Ew. <laughs> are you draining it? Because if you're uh, you're you're talking about like like lunch corn like, kernels and they cafeteria yeah. corn is soggy and mushy on no, mushy it's not. rectangle. It's not cream pizza. corn. But it's like it's not firm. It's not like fresh off the cob. It, it can be firm. I will say that, but I do not trust lo- cafeteria corn, like corn at a nice buffet. Them <laughs> kernels are popping, but I don't know about a cafeteria corn. Yeah, that's a definite leave it for me, Chris. Just in case you weren't clear. If, if hey, anyone is listening and they hey, do you, do this, try it. Try it out. I've done it. It will make your own pizzas at home and stuff. It's still quality, quality I, stuff. I'm willing to try it. I will try it for the for the name of science and take it or leave it, just to see. But if anyone else does this, I need you to tweet at us because this seems insane, and I've never heard about this before. Hey, we did get a tweet last week. Someone tried your Cool Whip pumpkin pie theory, Chris. So you're yeah, one for they, one. And I bet they changed they changed their life. Sure. <laughs> this is another one where I'm putting shotgun on the spotlight because I need you to settle this. Uh, I know Keeley's leaving it. I'm taking it. But Five Guys. Taking. I like Five Guys, especially their fries. They give you way too many, which I'm always a fan of. Okay. I've only been to Five Guys like twice prior to my gluten-free timing. But it's just, you walk in, there's peanuts everywhere. Like, what is happening? I just don't. Hey, they give you free stuff. Why are you complaining about it? They give you extra fries in the bag. They don't just, you know, they don't skip on it. You don't open your bag and pull out the carton. You're like, where's the other half of it? Sure. They give you okay. extra peanuts while you're sitting there waiting. Uh, you know, you can get extra toppings. <laughs> they have a bunch of other stuff. You can get Cajun seasoning on the fries. I'm, I'm in for five guys. Okay, that's fine. This is not. You I'm not... sold me on it more, Keely. Oh, this usually happens. No, I'm not. I'm not passionate about this. Take it or leave it. I think I can't even really weigh in because I haven't had like a real experience lately. Not the best burger ever, but great experience. You know, when you get free stuff, it's you know you add to it. Now, it the question is now in quarantine, you don't get free peanuts and whatnot. I guess. You sound like a little sad elephant over there. The biggest sad elephant. <laughs> uh, Christmas decorations. Just in general? <laughs> is that simple? Are, are, I don't. Are you people that put up Christmas decorations? I personally leave it. I don't. I don't give a shit. I literally have like an eight foot tree in my apartment right now. We went all out. And if you go on the USC Athletics YouTube, you can see a partial part of my Christmas decorations when I ask a question to Clay Helton. So there you go. Personally, I would leave it. Now, I like Christmas decorations, but as far as putting them up, like you say, Chris, you know, personally, I would not. But um, as an individual, but my roommate has a child, so there are Christmas decorations all over the place. 
I like Christmas lights and stuff. I like blue lights particularly. <laughs> I like great police lights. I'm talking about blue Christmas lights. Now I'm just imagining you sitting in your apartment, eating corn on pizza, a couple fr- Five Guys fries, looking at blue Christmas lights, watching the uh, you know the the Christmas tree lighting after the NFL game because the NFL game got pushed for a Christmas tree lighting. That was so disorienting. I was sitting nude on a Wednesday, being like, "Today Sunday." I was very confused. And the fact that it said Sunday Night Football on the <laughs> yeah, exactly. actual uh, TV guide programming. Mm-hmm. I was hoping they filmed an entire like Wednesday Night Football opening theme song with Carrie. <laughs> Carrie Wednesday Night Football. <laughs> it's what's on right now. Does it what you've day. waited for? <laughs> wow! Hump I love day. this. Hump <laughs> day football. Yeah, get the camel in there. Get that Geico. Is that Geico? Get that Geico sponsorship. Could have made a lot of money there, but no. <laughs> Or they could have just done a fake sponsorship like you, Chris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, my last one is, I know Keely's answer, it's magic. And I know Keely is leaving it because while in, where do we travel to? Arizona, I tried to do magic for her, <laughs> and she did not give a shit. <laughs> no, She no. could not be bothered. Hold on. He tried to make me do complicated magic after the game, while I'm editing and hangry, and I was like, my attention span was of an ant at that point, and I could and not. By comp- and by complicated direction, I meant memorize this card. It's too much for me. I did the trick, and she could not give a shit. She <laughs> I... literally could not care. <laughs> I think I pulled the card and said, why do I care? And why just, do I care? He walked away. <laughs> I've been practicing my magic all quarantine, and that's... So So all I'm saying is upcoming magicians do not perform for Keely. She does not care. Not in work mode while I'm hangry, please. That's all. I appreciate it, Chris. I'm sorry. I don't know what the take or leave it is, actually. (laughs) Do you like magic? Are you taking magic? Are you leaving I take magic. You do not take take magic. You crush magic. I will take it. I'm a Houdini fan uh, as a history person. I really liked Harry Houdini, so. I hope the, your roommate and her child <laughs> like the uh, Houdini as well. I did get to go to Magic Castle last year, which was really cool to, to experience I, at least I once, also went so. to Magic Castle. It's great. I would like to point out that all these non-corporate, you didn't even need me to be here because you answered them for me. <laughs> Why was I here for these? Because as the theme of the show, it's all about shotgun today. Apparently. So why don't you butt out? <laughs> okay. This was supposed to be a Helium Boys podcast. Oh my this God. isn't even my birthday. This is great. No. And that that is all my take it or leave it. And once again, thank you to our corporate sponsor, Cheese Nips. Go pick up yourself some Cheese Nips, I guess, if you want. But do cheese it. Okay. Anyway, thanks, Chris, for your odd sponsorship plug there that we're not getting any money from as i promised at the top of the show we have a turnover traveler update chris tell the people first your idea and what's what what's the latest yeah for any new listeners of the podcast i had this idea to replace the the turnover sword that the player the defensive players get when they get a turnover or whatever i did not personally like it i pitched a turnover traveler, which is basically a mini traveler, a mini pony that looks like traveler, that the player who gets the turnover gets to ride around up and down the sideline. Bada bing, bada boom. And, you know, there was a there was a 
Terrific idea, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, wouldn't be allowed this year because there's no live mascots, but working to get this in the future. Well, update. Well, this is the update that people were kind of fearing the logistics of it. I spoke with Joanne Asman, who is the owner slash, I assume, trainer of Traveler, the one that they use at games. Ryan Abraham had her on his podcast. Um, and I jokingly asked him if he could ask her about the possibility of a turnover Traveler. You know, she owns Traveler, horses, she's in horses. Seemed like a perfect question. It was mainly asked, mainly asked as a joke, but then Ryan sends me her phone number. She says she might be able to help. I know you're getting all excited, but let's slow down. So I called her like a couple weeks back. This was like going into the Arizona State game. And she didn't really understand what I was asking. It was like a kid, me being the kid, asking for this ridiculous request. And I knew it wasn't going to be feasible, but she was taking it very seriously, which I did appreciate, even though I am a moron and... You could tell by the way I was talking about it that I'm a moron. But she basically said, oh, this would never work. You cannot have, you cannot <laughs> ride a horse. And I'm like, yes, I know. I know you can't ride a mini pony. Uh, because the other thing is, she said, legally, they cannot have another traveler. There's only one true traveler. There's no others. No other imitations. Not even a mini traveler. This is why they don't have a traveler mascot at basketball games, apparently. But they do. She said they? they used to. Oh, they don't anymore? They took him out back and shot him. <laughs> oh, the, the original. Oh, when they brought the, the giant headed mascot out. Yeah. That is true. There was a horse mascot at the yeah. same time, and there now no longer is. Apparently, that's a no no. There's only one true traveler. Interesting. All imitations will be shot on sight. <laughs> Those are those are my words, not hers. <laughs> That's a very important distinction. Now, hold on. Here's my question. So you genuinely called her and asked about I, this? I generally talk to a woman about the idea of a turnover traveler. <laughs> Knowing full well it is the stupidest question she's probably had to face in her career. And to her credit, she did sort of talk it out with me. Even though I, I I said at the top, look, I know this is stupid. I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it because I'm never going to have the opportunity to ever ask the traveler owner about this possibility. I had to ask. So apparently they do at her farm or her stable, they do have a mini white horse. Her name is Crystal. They jokingly call her mini traveler. And then I made a joke about it, like, oh, that would be perfect. And she was like, no, no travel. <laughs> I was like, all right, no, 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 I get it, I get it, I get it. We can't do that. I was just a joke. This is a joke. Oh, my gosh. But apparently, she has a, you know, like those uh, sticks you ride with the horse head? Yes. Yeah. She has one of those with a traveler. So you could ride that instead of an actual horse which you could never get away with. It's the next best thing to seeing Brandon Peely on an actual uh, mini pony, right? So, I mean, we got to make this happen now, I feel like. The stick of the actual pony. 
the stick, obviously. I mean, th- this is, this is the plausible portion of it. The the other portion of it was Chris asking for a unicorn for his birthday and to an actual horse handler, and then being like, ah, oh, you know, unicorns aren't real, right? That's exactly, no, 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 no. That's just exactly what it was. That's exactly <laughs> a perfect metaphor. Wait, did that happen, or are you saying that's a metaphor? That, that's exactly what my request was like. That's oh, exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah, he, he asked for a unicorn, and you know, this is a unicorn thought. For there to be a turnover traveler, it still needs to happen. But if we can't actually get the horse out there, I don't know if you asked her, you know, just just Crystal, uh, you know, ever, you know, has anyone ever ride Crystal or not? Uh, you know, do, are there small children that do? Is there a weight limit? Is Brandon Peely within that weight limit? These are the questions that needed to be asked, Chris. But since it doesn't seem like it's feasible, then, hey, we got to get the, the, the horse head on a stick at least to the sideline and give him the option. Hey, either take the horse head or the sword, whichever one you want, you know. But are you saying we hire a child actor that looks like Brandon Peely and put him on Crystal? Is that what you're saying? Because I love it. <laughs> because goddammit, I love it. My question is, can the horse stick be a traveler horse stick? Like, can the one true Trojan thing, can it be a stick traveler? I don't think, I don't think legally you can call it traveler. It can be... Traveler, as you've been saying through parts of this. <laughs> I think you, you just don't. It. I think you don't name it. You know, there's no name to the sword. It's not the turnover sword or anything. You know, it's not a specific name. Turnover horse stick. It rolls off the tongue. It's perfect. I mean, we'll just hashtag it turnover traveler, but no one will be allowed to actually call it legally that. So it's all about the legalities. And the other part of this, there are tentative plans for me to visit the stable. Wow. That's a big development. I must meet Crystal. Yeah, you, you got to meet Crystal and get a bunch of photos so that you can then post a photo of Crystal every time USC gets a turnover. True. That's a good point. Make a GIF. Because here's the thing. Everyone would tweet us GIFs of a mini pony if USC got a turnover. So the legend would only grow. And that is my turnover traveler update. Shotgun, you and I will talk off screen about getting this Brayden Peely child actor. <laughs> I think we know some people in the industry we can make this happen well once again chris is making it hard to wrap up a podcast but i have to do that anyway <laughs> do do i get to do my question it's uh, go for it chris just taking over the second half he of the really podcast. is this is chris's pod he's the captain now and before i go i do need to make one more statement I've been doing this podcast for several months now in quarantine. I know I am cousin of the pod. That is an official designation. But I would like for both of you, the founders of this podcast, the Family Feud podcast, I would like you both to define the relationship with me. Am I an official member of this podcast? Am I an interim member of this podcast? Are we just DTP? Are we down to pod? Is this cuffing season just for this season? And then you're going to kick me to the curb come summer. I need to know where I stand. Are we official? Or can I go with other podcasts out in the world? What I need you both to to define this. Because it's driving me crazy. Shotgun, he's DTRing. And we're not talking about Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's He's defining the relationship. What do we do? Oh baby, why why we gotta make put titles on everything? Well, why, why is it? It gotta be 
Why is that necessary? Why can't we just have a good time and enjoy the present? Don't worry about the future. Why are you doing a large Southern man? I don't know. I have different voices. I don't know. Oh, this is so hard. This is I, Chris. I'm always so awkward with my words. You know, I don't know what to say. You've been a you've been a great friend to us. Oh no, a, a great pal. Oh no. <laughs> no, I think I think you've you've made your say, Chris. I I I think so. I think we're ready for this leave shotgun. What say you? Let's just wait till the end of the season, guys. Let's not let's not rush into anything. Let's see how this continues to flow. We're on a good path. Let's not let's stay away from the titles. We don't have to titles are, are overblown. Titles are overblown. No one needs a title. Titles overrated. Shotgun, answer this. Are you talking to other guests? I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying titles are overrated. Like North Carolina in the college football playoff. <laughs> oh my god. Here we go. And full that, circle. That is that is a full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. Chris, I hope you're not too deflated. I tried. I got no answers. That was we'll, the intended effect. We'll, we'll see. Alrighty. I'm scared to ask any final thoughts. I probably shouldn't. You said enough. That's going to wrap up this week's podcast. We'll see you for a Sunday afternoon game, hopefully. Knock on wood. Cross your fingers. That's Chris Trevino. That's Shotguns Rattling. I'm Keely Orr. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. I think.